What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Ride Share Rodeo Gig News and Interviews. I'm your host, Steve. Let's get it on. Everyone. So, John, uh, well, welcome anyway. Thank good you. Good afternoon, everyone, and greetings from the land of Lincoln um, in the Chicagoland area. And, Steve, it's an honor to be uh, live with you and with your uh, listeners, and I look forward to having a very, very invigorating discussion to end the week. Yeah, for sure. And um, so, John, do you want to, before we go in, do you want to give a little background on you? Uh, thank you. I'm, I am a semi-retired independent contractor here in the Chicagoland suburbs, and I have, uh, in recent years, I've been working in the policy arena. Um, right on, right on, number two is my work on independent contractors and the and independent contractors' rights. I also work in the mental health area here. I am a member of one of our local um, community mental health boards here in Chicagoland that's set up under Illinois' Community Mental Health Act. And that's an area, a passion area for me due to um, the community and family members, but also the independent contractor work is another passion of mine. And that latter one I received from my father. He was a 30-year employee of the Department of Labor in the Employment and Trainings Administration most of that time. And for six or seven years before that, entering at work, he'd worked for the Texas Employment Commission. So some of your uh, listeners from Texas will relate to what that agency is. And I remember I was taking a, a, a one of my relaxing walks in some open space here about a year ago. And I realized now I know why I have the passion for this. My father did this. I got this from my dad. And that's just something I have to share because it's how I got into this. And God's giftedness has given me an ability to be my own boss, to do what I would want to do for myself and for my family. And here we are talking on a Friday afternoon in January of 2024. I know, right? So um, I have to, you know, on the, on, you just kind of uh, hit something with me too, because we, we have a crazy mental health problem here too. And by problem, I mean, it's, it's not the, the people who have issues, problems. It's, it's how the treatment of them. Um, and I got to ask about Chicago, especially with all the migrants and everything going on. I mean, what does that even look like right now? <laughs> well, when our local boards are set up to support the local community. So I live out in one of the, what's we call the collar counties. Those are the five counties surrounding Chicago and Cook County. So in our collar County and Kane County, um, our mental health board is only for a township, a 36 square mile area. So our focus is on the patients within who are residents. And that's how we levy the taxes in order to support residents who are either underinsured or uninsured in the mental health space. And mental health in this context also includes substance abuse and developmental disabilities. Now, 
the where that where what you just asked comes into play, Steve, has to do with, for instance, social media. And there's mm-hmm. been multiple studies on social media and the impacts to mental health, especially to to young people. And I think, you know, the last May and June, there was uh, the Senate hearings with the Surgeon General discussing how serious and expanding this problem is. So we watch those national trends and through our own metrics-based uh, needs assessments, we assess if that is truly something we're seeing in our local community to help our constituents receive the services and work with the local mental health, substance abuse, or developmental disabilities agencies to ensure they're receiving the funding. And if there are any impediments, either from the federal or especially the state government, we work with our uh, local and our state officials to try to, to change that. Like, for instance, a year ago, there was a uh, an issue directly impacting our startup board and working with our state senator we had an amendment put into some sweeping reforms of the community mental health act and it was implemented as public policy so it's just a matter of being the boots on the ground the ears in our community and the eyes in our community taking that input and giving input to the decision makers and the legislators to implement effective public policy to benefit all right so um, you know, where, where did I, what did I want to ask you about this? So relating to that though, um, I don't know if you saw in Politico, uh, that now Uber is put in $30 million in California for a super PAC. Um, this, this was, this was announced yesterday. It was a 30, $30 million package that they're going to super PAC to pick the officials who represent what they want. And already, I think it's Proposition 2, maybe. It's a Governor Newsom favorite. It's mental health. He wants, he's, I I mean, first of all, he should seek some, by the way, people. (laughs) Uh, uh, (laughs) But I'll I'll leave it at that on that one. But um, that is something he cares about, I guess. So Uber already, like in this article, it's saying they already granted $250,000 to Newsom's mental health program. I can guarantee you if that if he didn't care about that, they wouldn't have given that money to that. Hmm. They're really getting dirty. Yeah, I'm not familiar with uh, Governor Newsom and the Prop Two. You called it. And I'm pro- not well, familiar. yeah, Prop, yeah, Prop Two. Not again, guys. Not twenty two that affects gig workers. We're talking about Prop Two. Or, I'm not even sure it's Prop Two. Let me see if I could. Uh, okay. Well, no, I probably can't bring it up. But well, it, it, it's something that I've found here locally in Illinois and statewide is that mental health has become very popular which is good as far as the voters want to with compassion apply um, voluntarily apply taxes their property assessments and for a levy into the local community now the mental health boards here are either at the county the uh, township or the uh, municipal level it's like for instance i serve on a township mental health board We're still Mm -hmm. considered a startup board because we started up, we had some legal challenges because of of laws that were not completely followed by the decision makers, the elected officials, but we have to roll with the punches with that. We finally were funded at the end of 2022, and now we've begun our work as a startup board. So here in, in Illinois, for instance, if there's a township or a county 
and they see some of these issues coming through. And if there is some additional uh, unlooked for opportunities to work with our state leaders in order to bring effective policy to our respective patients in our geographies, then by far we're going to do that and we're going to lobby for that. So, for instance, here there was a, a law passed in 2021 that uh, ensured that all Illinois-based medical plans also covered mental health at the start of, of January 2023. Now, that law has been slow to be fully embraced, especially for providers, but I've been learning from, from metrics in our local community that that law appears to be taking hold and now there are fewer uninsured patients because now their main health insurance has mental health coverage. That wasn't the case prior to 2023 in most cases, but now mm. expanding to help people who really need the help through their medical insurance. Well, I mean, that's good. I did, I did just look it up. So, um, so here, so, um, <clears throat> Uh, the company, this is referring to Uber, dropped $300 million into its existing state committee called the Uber Innovation Pack, um, all of it, which it plans to spend on candidates and causes in 2024. So um, one of the things to note about this is that this makes it um, the largest single-funded state uh, pack in this election cycle. Wow. That's a lot for a state of cap for one state. How much yeah. was it? Did I hear that 30, right? 30 million. 30 million. Okay. Well, it's, uh, we saw with prop 22, um, it was like companies. 208, but that, but that involved five companies. This is just Uber. Right. But they're, what they're doing is they're using, you know, the citizens United, uh, precedent and basically it's a super pack. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what I, I mean. Yeah. What's exactly. known as, what's known as an independent expenditure. So basically, legally, they cannot uh, coordinate with campaigns, but they can pay for mailings or pay for um, media advertisements as long as it's publicly disclosed under the California law. And we have something, we have a similar setup here in Illinois, but I don't think Uber or Lyft have done something like a $30 million super PAC. I've not heard of that here, but certainly it's happening out there. And We'll see what well, happens. I think I think part of this is that, you know, you and I know this, that AB5 has people wanted it repealed for a long time. But now there's a big push to have it repealed. Kylie's <laughs> behind it and some other people. But if that gets repealed immediately, Prop 22 is dead because it wouldn't exist because it was a carve out of AB5. There's also the questionability of the new March 11th DOL ruling and where that'll weigh in and like who will... I mean, and nobody, and you know this, nobody knows. So I think it's Uber trying to get ahead of like, dude, California's our nightmare state, but it's also our, a state that if we, I mean, they threatened to go, people question if they would have. I think you and I both know they waited till the midnight hour. I'm not sure that they wouldn't have closed shop. And I know they need that state, but they were not going to bow down to that. Mm. I, I tell you, with with what's happening in uh, California, and I know at the, it was the Tuesday morning press conference where Congressman Kylie and Minority Leader um, Gallagher, and I think another Assemblywoman Sanchez, uh, introduced the repeal AB5, whereas Congressman Kylie yeah, was Dick Sanchez, I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. So it's a matter of you've got, you know, California. Right. If, if, if AB5 is repealed, I don't say, it, you know, Prop 22 just becomes moot. 
because you know, you'd have well, yeah, more I mean, carve-outs. Yeah, because I mean, like in Prop 22, it says this this gets you out of AB5. Well, there is no AB5. Exactly. <laughs> but we also have something else coming up, California context, which will have repercussions across the country, and that's Olson versus California. That's the litigation that will go before the Ninth Circuit Appellate, Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Uh, I think the oral arguments are set to start on March 18th. That was announced at the end of last year. So however the justices there, and this is a federal case, so they will apply across the country. If carve-outs or AB5 overall, but especially the carve-outs, if, if that's struck down, then no other state can do carve-outs. Now, we know the DOL rule change announced mm-hmm. earlier this month has no carve-outs, and that's sure. because of the Fair Labor Standards Act. Right. But yet many of us, including those of us who hire independent contractors, and we do have independent contractor in the local mental health board where I serve, well, the totality question comes into play. We're a startup board. You know, we are doing this slowly and carefully and and uh, deliberatively to ensure that while our patients' needs are being met, so are the taxpayers' needs and that we are not, I mean, some people would think that new forms of governments are going to be bloated forms of government with administration. Well, we're working very hard to ensure that the vast majority of our tax dollars go to the patients, not to overhead. Mm-hmm. But yet we know once we mature, once things, once all of our processes are documented, once we re- reach a level of maturity, then the independent contractor relationship is not to be meant into perpetuity. But that time will, is not here yet. Mm-hmm. We're not there yet. And businesses are in the same boat, private sector. Many are startups. Many people, many businesses are starting up. They outsource a variety of their tasks, including manufacturing. You have a lot of compact businesses. And yet these rules will begin to, if not, will not begin, they will impact these startups. These are future good paying union jobs at the right time. It's just not immediately. And we know Senator uh, Mark Warner out of Virginia. He was one of the three centrist Democrats who held out from supporting the PRO Act in the last Congress, and he's still holding out now, the changing nature of work, and not hardly anyone is paying attention to that in Washington. I mean, Senator Warner is, and he gave an interview over three years, almost three years ago, that's still 100% valid today. The changing nature of work. More people, especially younger people, want a variety of jobs, want a variety of gigs, whether it's driving Uber, whether it's being a freelance photographer, a freelance writer. I mean, my freelancing ranges from policy analytics <laughs> to just straight business analytics and just just straight out business consulting. That's, a, that's the area where I fill a niche and I try to apply public policy and implement a policy or suggest implementing and recommend policy that will meet the needs of one's clients, one's customers, or one's constituents. Hey, aren't aren't politicians who are running independent contractors? Um, <laughs> in a sense, that's right. Man. They got to get signed on on November fifth if they have another two-year term or a four-year, whichever. That's a, that's a great analogy. Look what's happened. Look at your free agents. How do you the, politicians feel about that? 
Hey, let's <laughs> let, bring it on there. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I did the elected official, you know, work one time a long time ago. So at my stage in life, I'm not looking to get back into elected, but certainly yeah. I want to, I will just, as someone, as another podcast said, he asked me, the host asked me, well, do you think we changed the world today? I just responded, no, I honestly think that we may have influenced someone else to change the world. Hopefully we'll do that here. <laughs> I hear you. So this is where gig workers, app platform-based gig workers, don't don't move because I'm going to play a video. Then John and I are, we'll discuss it a little bit and then we'll kind of play out the rest of our conversation here because I think this is important. I ran across it. Um, I had not seen it until two days ago, maybe. Um, so I have it queued up here. Let me share it. Is the audio coming through or is it? You're hearing that, right? I'm not hearing it. I'm seeing it. Oh, you're not hearing it. Hmm. Are you hearing it? Yeah, I'm hearing it. Okay. Well, it's just to me that that's, that's, that's okay. Hmm. Well, how could I do that? How could I play that? It should have let me. Uh, it's no, there's no reason that it shouldn't be. Uh, oh, that money, that money watch verbiage there. Oh boy. <laughs> well, see, yeah. and that was another thing is that you know I noticed you saying the seventy-three million workers independent contractors and i'm and i'm not saying you're wrong like i've heard 75 73 68 so i know it's rising but it's like everybody's all over the map on how many we really have but you know it's well, i, that, I don't know why we can't <laughs> well that's a discernment i mean it depends on who is i mean i'll cite the sources i mean i i'm quoting the mbo analytics survey that uh, kim cavan and fight for freelancers usa published uh i mean sure have have on their websites so that's where i got my 73 million number at so wow a lot there <laughs> let me uh i'm gonna see if i can if it's in my history i'm gonna just play it off my ipad um, okay. so we can at least hear it we don't have to watch it you guys were seeing okay. that it was it was money watch it's you know it's something many people watch so it's mm, has to be in here Oh, uh, you gotta be kidding me! Come on. There. Mm. Okay, yep, there it is. I just gotta fast forward because I remember it was. It's like three minutes of commercials. Here we go. Okay, guys. So you audio podcast listeners, don't worry. You won't. You won't even feel feel the pain because. last studied freelance work in 2017, it estimated more than 21 million Americans made their living in the gig economy. A more recent study by freelance platform Upwork puts that number at 64 million. 
This growing portion of the labor force may be impacted by an expected rule change from the Labor Department. It would require companies to treat freelancers as employees rather than contractors. That legal distinction could mean more money and protection for workers, but it could also mean higher labor costs for employers. For more, let's turn to Alan Bloom. He's a partner at the international law firm Proskauer and the head of the firm's Wage and Hour Group. Um, Alan, thanks for your time. Explain to us the differences between independent contractors and employees in the eyes of the law. So, Jeff, thanks for having me. At its most basic level, a worker can be an employee or an independent contractor. An employee is someone who usually works for one employer. They go to work every day, they work a shift or a schedule, and they're entitled to the benefits and protections of the employment laws. So think about minimum wage, overtime pay, think about health insurance, workers' compensation, unemployment, vacation time. Those are all things that employees can be eligible for. By contrast, an independent contractor is someone who provides a specialized service to you and then goes and performs that same service for someone else. So think about a plumber or a painter or handyman who comes to your office, your home, and performs a specific task for you. Think about a wedding photographer. They do the work, you pay them, then they leave, and they do it for someone else. You might see them again, you might not, but they're in business for themselves and they have a number of clients. So in today's world, that independent contractor might be an online personal trainer. It might be a rideshare driver. It might be a delivery person because, as you said, the gig economy allows you to get on your smartphone or tablet and punch up whatever service you want. The law determines whether someone's an independent contractor or an employee, and that's the point of this new rule that the Department of Labor is going to issue. So why do they want to change the definitions? Well, under the current rule, which came out towards the very end of the Trump administration in January 2021, the federal government focused on two factors to determine whether or not someone was an independent contractor, how much control over the work that the company does, and whether the worker has the opportunity for profit and loss. So that was a sea change from the way the law had been for decades before that. And so... President Biden on the campaign trail made it a priority of his to root out what he perceived and what many workers advocates perceived as misclassification, classifying workers as independent contractors so as to avoid having to pay them minimum wage over time, provide them with the benefits and protections that employees get. If, if this happens, what does it mean for gig workers, freelance workers? Well, you know, I think what it means for freelance workers is that you're going to see a lot of litigation. Uh, it will it will embolden them. Uh, they will think it's a very positive development. Um, I don't think it's going to mean that they're going to wake up the next day and be employees because it's the courts and not the Department of Labor that ultimately will make the decision as to whether or not someone is or isn't an employee. The courts can look to what the Department of Labor says in its rules but they don't have to follow it, particularly in a situation like we have here where that rule has sort of flip-flopped depending on who's in the White House. So there was yeah. a rule before 2021, and now the rule is different, and now it's going to be different again. Alan, I don't want you to get in, I don't want you to get in hot water here, but in your legal estimation, what's better, the Trump rule or the Biden rule? 
Well, you know, look, I, I think I think both rules can be defended. I think at the end of the day, there are a number of workers who prefer the freedom of being independent contractors. And I don't think it's fair for any rule to try to paint them all with a broad brush. There are people that wake up in the morning and say, I'd like to do this today or not do it. I want to go into work or not. I want to work for this company and that company. And I think that freedom is important. So I think we'll have to see how this new rule plays out, but I think you'll hear arguments on both sides, and I think it'll be controversial either way. Okay, artfully answered. Absolutely. Thank you very much. <clears throat> ha! Ha! <laughs> well, we'll we'll probably spend the rest of the time unpacking just what was in that clip alone, there, Steve. <laughs> well, and that's but if you noticed when I was tilting it up too, I was trying to do that in case I'm able to play a clip of this or whatever, even just a clip into YouTube or something video so you guys can see because a lot of gig workers in the app-based space think this can't touch them because a couple articles have come out. I think this week alone, I've had Mike Ruby, I've had Karen Anderson or Kim was on, um, Karen was in the chats. All of these people all agree, listen, nobody knows what to expect. But don't think that app-based gig workers are under any protection more than anybody else i hear i hear that i mean it, it's like uh, was explained by the uh the attorney that was on with kim on tuesday um, yeah wilson he was good wilson yes he was good i mean but it's that whole totality of the circumstance and that's why i started pointing out i mean because if you know in order to defend what we're trying to do in the public sector mm -hmm. here with our, just our mental health board. I mean, we're relatively small budget. I mean, you know, our, the levy is a total of $500,000, which is taxpayer money. And we're going to stretch those dollars to reach the patients who need it. Um, we're going to be at, at going into our second full funded year and eight over 81% or 80% going to the patients through the agencies. So, but when I see the totality, that's where I was pointing out earlier, where our totality is, we're a startup. We are not yet mature by any reasonable metric. So if that is a way we will defend ourselves, if this rule really does go into effect on March 11th, that's what we are going to do because we value our independent contractor. But we know it's not in perpetuity. It's a startup board. You have startup businesses, and as far as the app-based drivers and the app-based space, just like uh, Dr. Ben Chavis was sharing back in during the Prop 22, these are the, the app-based opportunities are the entrepreneurs of today and tomorrow. And he mm -hmm. was focusing on black and brown-owned businesses, and by all means, who says all gig workers want or need the kind of protections that they're saying employment w-2 statuses it also brings a few other burdens with it too including you know the push to be unionized now that doesn't work in a right to work state but it definitely would work in a non-right to work state and i want to be very clear up front i am a pro-union person I mean, mm -hmm. I grew up respecting the labor unions and mm -hmm. collective bargaining, contract administration, the core mission for representation for W-2 employees who choose the work to be in a in work that's well represented by a union, by all means do it. And there mm -hmm. should be no impediments to that. And the, and the problem I agree. with DC 
the PRO Act, especially, there are so many good reforms, and Senator Warner pointed this out three years ago almost, there are so many good reforms, needed reforms to the National Labor Relations Act, but yet extreme elements, particularly on the far left, uh, they want to take this to a point where to eliminate 1099 work under their message, a false flag of misclassification. And I'm going to say this to be very clear. Real misclassification needs to be dealt with. If there is somebody who is purposely cheating a worker who should be a W-2, you know, whatever state or federal. Misclassification. Yeah, that's this goes part of that goes into my. I raise this topic often with people. I said, you know, when we get into the real, what's going to happen on March 11th or even year prior? Like I tell people, listen, one of the biggest problems and reason we're getting all this legislation because you never defined the space. Yes. And that's, and certainly the attorney from uh, Tuesday was very clear about that. And I, you know, like I said, I think I coined the phrase to be clear, you know, this is going to turn into the labor lawyers recovery act of 2024. Because everybody's going to need a, a lawyer just to figure this out, let alone to apply it and obey it if it truly applies to them. And like I say, you know, anyone, you know, like I said, even in the public space, and it's like a matter of when our time comes, when we go to W-2 staff, then that's our timing and that's when our totality changes. But we're not there yet. And many businesses in their startup mode, they're not there yet either. So yeah. that's where our freedoms are threatened. And that's why, whether it's through Congressman Kylie and the Congressional Review Act objection, which is going to happen in the next two months, or another way, or through the courts, we know the uh, co leaders of Fight for Freelancers USA filed that complaint in the Northern District of Georgia federal court. Yep. One way or the other. And if my guess is there'll be a restraining order placed. And it won't even be implemented on March 11th because it's going to have to be adjudicated, just like AB5 still being adjudicated. And I mean, I, I would like it. I don't know. If, <laughs> I would like it authenticated, too, because I don't know that Julie Sue was in power to do that. Well, that's another that's another <laughs> front. And this, you know, this this appears to be a, a, a multi prong effort to destroy independent contracting. This is wrong. This is a matter of we have a God-given rights and our freedom to market our labor the way we want to market and to right to be our own boss if we can do this. And obviously, we have to have a product to sell. Yeah. If you don't have a product, that's your loss, and you need to do something about that. If either, yeah, I mean, if you don't, if you don't have a skill, if you if you haven't look, I mean, I think everybody should. I've had W twos, I've had salary positions, I've, and so I also. Just so you know, I wasn't able to say it much this week because I just it's a whole different dive. But I think I think salary if 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 all these people are really worried about people not being paid enough for their hourly work, I think salary position should be under the microscope. Because Agreed. I can I've had two, both of which I can say abused my time. One I quit very quickly. The other one I took for two years and I loved it. It was learning the laser company that I now independent contractor with. Mm. And he told, but he was honest with me up front. He said, some weeks you'll have 30, 30 hours here. And I lived in Miami to do it for two years. He said some, some weeks you'll have 30 hours in, you know, where you're working four days a week here, getting the equipment ready and all this stuff. And sometimes you'll be out of country for a month. Mm -hmm. 
Sorry. It's but it's where contractors and the contract the, the best person who can negotiate their for themselves is themselves, in my opinion. Exactly. I mean, contract I mean, there are contractors who I'm just saying if they if they really care, like, hey, you guys are too stupid to know you're being abused for your hourly services. Well, then you should be looking at like as my first salary position for sure. Like those people just exploited the hell out of me before I knew that that kind of thing happened. I was younger. I didn't know. I just thought, you know, I mean, the first time somebody, if you haven't, if you guys are in your twenties and nobody's ever done this to you before, the first time somebody offers you a salary position, it's going to appear to be, and it might be, don't get me wrong. It might be, but it's going to appear to be this golden egg that is like, wow, dude, I can step up from where I am to this. Yeah. But trust me, there's, you're going to learn a lot and it might, again, don't get me wrong. I, I'm not in my 20s anymore, and I'm not getting my first salary position. So my first one was a nightmare and a travesty, and they abused me for it. Well, and I guess where we all come from is that we have to be discerning as far as what are the laws and where you can impact change, whether it's at the state or the federal level. Like, for instance, when the Congressional Review Act, I want to make sure Everyone knows what's going to happen because Congressman Kylie and everyone's been talking about this. Yes. What will happen, the mechanism that that will work is what's known as a joint resolution in Congress, whether it's a House joint resolution or a Senate joint resolution. Recently, earlier this month, there was a vote on House joint resolution 98, which was the Congressional Review Act objection to the joint employer rule at the National Labor Relations Board is trying to implement into policy. Now mm -hmm. that passed the House, and I think uh, I think at most uh, six or eight uh, Democrats voted with the Republicans. Now it's off to the Senate. Now my understanding under the Review Act, these kinds of joint resolutions cannot be filibustered. So there will be a Senate vote. And Steve, I'm, as you're aware, you know the you know the Senate and labor <laughs> votes have been very. Very interesting over the past two years from David Wiles' denial to be yeah. to go back to the wage and hour division uh, administrator to the uh, fallout over the PRO Act. You still got those centrist Democrats in place. And every time I can work with local and state officials here in Illinois, I point this out, you know, it wasn't the Republican filibuster and it wasn't Joe Manchin that stopped the PRO Act. It was centrist Democrats. And I, this is interesting. This is a true story. One of the local congresswomen, um, I asked her what about the PRO Act. I said, well, it, it's being held up, I said, by a filibuster. I said, no, that's not it. They said, one must be Joe Manchin. No, Joe Manchin co-sponsored it. Then I went through, there's three senators from the Democrats, and she, she asked who. I said, Kirsten Cinema. Okay, people think things of Kirsten Cinema, and I can understand she was not surprised. Then I bring up Mark Kelly, and of course, he's still relatively new. He hasn't really stood on his own feet. Then I say Mark Warner, and I believe me, she was astonished that Mark Warner would not sign on to the PRO Act, let alone get it to the floor. And I, I remember sharing with her staff uh, shortly after, this was an event in May, uh, the, the 2021 clip of the Mark Warner interview where he's very clear the changing nature of work, why he can't support the PRO Act as it was passed from the House in 2021. Uh, my Our local state legislator, she even uh, told me, um, uh, she, the same congresswoman, about three or four months later, she still remembered that exchange. 
because she was so surprised. So it's like <laughs> when I shared this at an independent contractor's roundtable here in Illinois, hosted by our state legislator, who herself is a former independent contractor, I make it very clear, you know, the what can we do in Illinois and apply some Midwestern values and common sense to a very complex issue. And that was the meeting from one of your podcasts, I think it was early September, where uh, Kim Cavan shared the chairman of the Illinois House Labor and Commerce Committee, um, he his 1099 business is real estate appraisal. And Kim had to interrupt him and saying, Welcome to California. You are a misclassified employee, just like what they're trying to do to me. And Kim was, I was in the room. Kim was not exaggerating. That was a, you You know, when she says things, I never doubt her because I've seen, for those of you that haven't seen, you can go find videos of Kim doing this in front of huge bodies of, she has no fear. No, she, and Mike said, you know, calling her a Jedi master is not a, an exaggeration and she shared that with the group in illinois and it's just a matter of even the chairman he he did say i listened to the audio recording i have of that meeting and said you know this is what we're trying to avoid yes we have a common frame of reference now let's work to implement some public policy even it's just codifying the common law test because here sure. in Illinois, here in Illinois, and you've heard people in congressional testimony, they'll say, well, 20 some odd states use an ABC test or some form of an ABC test. You have to emphasize some form. It's just like version control, because the ABC mm-hmm. tests used in Illinois for, say, unemployment insurance is not the same stringent ABC test in California's AB5. Um, and for tax status, only the construction industry under the statute applies an ABCD test. It's not even the true ABC test, but it's a matter of within different states, there are slight variances to what an ABC test really is. Mm-hmm. So that's something that as we work together, I know and you mentioned Kim and her fight for freelancers groups at the state levels. You know, that's what we try to help respective state residents discern the context of what we have here in Illinois versus other states. Obviously federal applies to everybody. Sure. Sure. I, um, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I think it's interesting. I think that, I think that the rule change is in place. I mean, I, I heard even in that, even in that little segment from a couple days ago from, um, whatever we were listening to CB or, uh, CNBC, um, or money talk. And, uh, you know, they're, they're saying, you know, if, if and I hear those ifs, I'm like, what do you mean? If like that only happened, I mean, like it's done, you're going to have to now you have to prove something else to stop it. It's done. Cause when I asked Kim, why it wouldn't just start right away or Karen, maybe it was told me, well, they have to do this. Um, maybe it was 30 or 60 days from when it happened before right. they can enact it. It's just even if it's passed and it's done, they still have to do that. They have to. Well, they have to formally notify Congress and the transmission. That's what Congressman Kiley pointed out earlier this week at his press conferences. That has not happened yet. Um, What's happening now is that we're trying to, um, you know, we saw once that's transmitted. So that would have to be by. Well, I was going to say I was going to say February. 
well, I was going to say by February 11th, because you have to do 30 days, but actually it's a leap year. So there's 29 days, but it's not a full month. So it might even have to be by like the 9th or the 10th of February would have to be. Exactly. And that's where, um, but you know, once it's implemented, then you have Congress can do its application of the, um, of the Congressional Review Act, and then those votes will take place in the House and the Senate chambers, because that's yeah. going to have to happen under the Congressional Review Act. That's that's law. And you know, Kim talked about something else. Kevin talked about the appropriations bill, where Congressman Kiley wants to defund the Department of Labor from enforcing mm-hmm. the rule. Now, that's to be clear, and it wasn't really clear on that podcast. Appropriations is what runs the government. Yeah. Appropriations. Yeah. They're still negotiating. We're, we're what, four months, five months, four months into the fiscal year, and they still haven't passed all the appropriations bills. For instance, Congressman Kiley had an amendment put into the Health and Human Services bill to prohibit mask mandates. So Kiley is going to go that route again. He's already done it once, and so he's going to do it again, this time to completely defund any enforcement of the uh, Fair Labor Standards Act rule, 2024 rule, if it actually goes online live on March 11th. Now that's something that can't be filibustered and when they're compromising and negotiating, that's something they're not, if, if, if the house puts it in, I think they will. I don't think the Senate's going to be able to remove it, nor will president Biden veto it. Sure. So like Kim said, it's a dead letter. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know if this is the right tweet. I want to, this is from today. I hope I can't see it in the mini version, but let me see. Um, Yes. Uh, this isn't the one I meant to bring up, but okay, it's still relevant. <laughs> uh, because I wanted to point that out to people because I've had people asking me, hey, can't I just do the LLC? We watched it in California not work. I didn't know how it would play. I didn't, you know, we hadn't got to escort like or um, uh, Lisa Rothstein is an mm-hmm. escort. I've had her on the podcast and she was not protected under AB5 either. That These don't protect you people. From this stuff yeah no it's 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 a matter of the uh you know we're talking about the different cases and obviously um the, the co-leaders of fight for freelancers have their case um another case i think through the u.s chamber of commerce when the biden first attempt at the biden rule was struck down um uh, there was a case under uh the east texas uh, first district uh federal court and that ruling was in March of 2022, and that was the Coalition for Workforce Innovation at all versus Walsh to prevent them from to prevent the, the Department of Labor from stopping the Trump rule. And they failed at that. Now, something else that was done, the Trump rule was announced in late September of 2020, you know, within you know, yeah. we didn't know if Trump was going to win re-election or not. Well, mm-hmm. two days later. Congresswoman Rosa Delario, Senator Patty Murray, and Senator Sherrod Brown, they introduced an ABC test legislation for the Fair Labor Standards Act. I think it's the, it's the Small Business or Workforce Flexibility Act that tried to put the ABC test into 
the Ex exactly as it is because I know that in different states they have a different ABC test that if you really look it's buried but it's there. It's the proact version of it was the okay, proact okay. version of the ABC test. They just copy and pasted it from the yeah, proact yeah. which had passed in that Congress. Fortunately, that went nowhere. But that was the last attempt to attempt to put an ABC test legislatively into federal law. You know that bill went nowhere. It was filed so late in the session, but it was two days after the Trump administration Labor Department announced their rule change for independent contractors, the very easy way to determine under the Fair Labor Standards Act if you're an independent contractor or not. Yeah. Um, gosh, I can't believe how quick time's going here. Um, when we do run out of time, I, I would really like to get you back after March 11th. Okay. I mean, because I'm going to do another week right around there where I have Kim back on and I would like to bring all you guys back on because I think this was a, I mean, like I've seen mass downloads from different people on the audio podcast that normally when I go into the analytics, aren't the spots where they're coming from. So clearly title matters in audio podcasting a lot. So sometimes you bring in people who aren't following your podcast even. So I've seen some other people who are more interested in the political aspect, but I also need to balance out the podcasting, mm -hmm. but I want to do another week because I think that, and it might be before it, who knows? Um, but right around there, a lot of stuff, I mean, who knows what's going to happen? I think that Wilson from Pacific Legal made it clear, as as I would assume and as everybody would assume, that, listen, don't expect, you know, like, again, to the this is specific to gig workers, too, who think, okay, let's see. And then March 11th hits, and then March 12th, they're like, nothing changed. It's fine. Nothing's going to happen. Okay, so let's say that the rule change is in effect as it says it is. On March 11th, I will tell you right now, don't expect anything to change on the 11th. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's not going to change on the 11th. It's going to probably take months for it to seep into your life. That's, that's the approach I'm taking where I, where I am the complete client versus the independent contractor in our own independent contractor relationship in local government. That's the approach I'm taking. I mean, our agreement mm -hmm. is in place. Um, we did confirm through our legal team under the Illinois law, even under the context of unemployment insurance, that we are we are following the law. And when the Fair Labor Standards Act is officially has this rule, then we will, like you say, we'll figure that out as we go. But like I said, our totality is still the approach that I described earlier. We're still in a startup mode, and that's our totality right now. And that's what the U.S. Department of Labor apparently wants. Well, that's what it is. Now, whether they believe that or accept it that's their call but we are doing this in good faith to not only our constituents here in our local government to our taxpayers but also to our independent contractor help yeah we need to we need to create an app that, <laughs> that, that like maybe kim cavan and fight for freelancers and all the groups could promote where you type in your profession you answer some questions and it's to find out if you'll be an independent contractor under the new rule and then it just spins a wheel. <laughs> There's some opportunity out there for an entrepreneur. No, but where you well. could put the same profession twice, and one time it comes up, yep, you can, you are, and the next time it's like, no, you're not. <laughs> like the same exact thing. Wow. Because as we said, it's going to be case by case. Agreed, and it's and it's, a matter and, of and and we talked about that with Wilson as well. For those of you that didn't see it, go back and watch that. Um, there was a lot of information dropped from Wilson on Tuesday on the on the podcast for sure um the why we sued the department of labor is the name of the title of that podcast and um 
you know, he, he definitely kind of, he, the way he described it was exactly how I envisioned it. It just made it kind of, it just sealed everything I already thought, you know, that it's going to be very, it's going to be very confusing, but if the mechanism's in place, it definitely will, the hammer will have to drop on many fairly quickly. So like at the same time, I say like, you know, you won't seep into your life for a while. They're going to have to drop it quickly on a few or else nobody's going to believe it's real. It just depends on what kind of hammer we're talking about. We're talking a sledgehammer. Well, I mean, like some of the case by case, like if they really want this thing gone. And that's the worst part of it. They're going to pick and shoot. This is all about picking and choosing, clearly. I mean, that's why why we say case by case. Because as the lawyer said, they're... The biggest problem here is you you've made it unsafe to do business with people. Yeah. Because we don't know what this means. And there are actually some proponents of all this that that's the way they want it, which is sad. I mean, this is about freedom to work. Well, of course, yeah, of course they want it that way. Because then they can go go, John, we don't want you doing this. Steve, we want you done. Um, you know, like what what? I hear. You know, I mean, I feel like it's like going to be like, you know, I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot, there's a lot going on in this country. But, there is a, but there's hope too. There's hope. <laughs> oh, there's, and as there Kim was hope. talking about on Tuesday, what's probably a good place to close your, I know we're getting close on time, but I guess where I'm going is that when Kim brings up where freelancers, no matter where their area of expertise is, are working together primarily you know like i said through facebook it doesn't cost anything and no one's paid but we're working together for the common goal we could make some progress like i said the illinois roundtable independent contractor roundtable back in august was an eye-opener for many Mm -hmm. and we are going to build upon that momentum i know that's going to be happening in other states too as kim and karen and lisa and terrific people across the country and steve you yourself in the leadership of this you know we're going to put the right public policy, full discernment, full disclosure, and let's just make it, everybody has the opportunity to, to fulfill you, their dream. You always have in this always country. Have. Why would it change? Exactly. Let's not get in the way of it. Let's not let government get in the way of it. So let's go get them. Yeah. Pick, pick your lane. Who cares? But fight it because this isn't right. I mean, this is supposed to be, I mean, Mike and my discussion was, was tight. I think I originally, I don't know if I changed it, but I initially ch- titled that one on Monday, the end of the American dream. Mm. And that's, I mean, I know those are strong catchwords to bring you in, but we did discuss those same words too. So it wasn't like clickbait. It's true. I mean, like if this really were to roll out on any mass scale, it is the end of the American dream. And at that point, what are you doing? Agreed. Especially if you're that type of person, which we know, even if, even though John's has 73 pe- uh, million pegged and this person 71, 68, we know the zone we're in. In yes. 20, in 2021, it was, fi- or in 2020, it was 59 million. So yes. that growth is huge. We're at 40% of the American workforce is independent contractor. But I think that what we prepare each other to do is that when we are talking to our elected officials, and this is a true story, I shared this um, in the Fight for Freelancers Illinois Facebook group. Uh, When I had a chance to question one of the local Congress members, um, I asked them, 
where in East Jan, your votes on the PRO Act. And the first thing they do is they start throwing talking points. And just like with uh, the shield and the helmet and the sword, you know how to parry those very quickly and hold up the shield saying, you know, get past those. Get past the talking points, the platitudes, the narratives, and the bromides. Get to the truth. The truth is, through his record, and I pointed to his record, whether going back to the ACA, the Affordable Care Act, or the recent years, the Advanced Premium Tax Credit, you in Congress, in, especially in your party, you enabled more workers to be able to have most affordable health insurance to pursue their dream of being in business for themselves. Yeah, I shared absolutely. that meeting. If it wasn't for that tax credit, I'd probably have to be a W-2 employee. People, people routed out their college map to get to their own success. Agreed. And some people even routed their college path of, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go an extra two years, do this, and then I'm going to go into work for a company for two years, and then I'm going to go off on my own. And and they have that far of an outlook of a plan. And you just wrecked it for them. So, I mean, I am not about canceling college debt. I think that's BS. I think that all of us have had to work through that. That's just something that should be what it is. Um, and in fact, my thing is maybe the colleges should look at how much they're charging. (laughs) That's the bigger question. But I mean, to be honest, you know, like, uh, there are people who do, there's not, there's a lot of kids who go into first year college, don't second year. There's kids that don't need to go to college these days. Trade schools are just as good, those kind of things. But there's a lot who do by their second year have a very clear path. And so why would you go to college anymore if you can't? ever go into business for yourself because i mean it's not again we pointed this out a few times not like i grew up in michigan it's not it's not the auto era you don't come out of college go to work for gm and retire with them yep you're gonna have four to five w2 careers is is the average now mm-hmm. in your lifetime and i think it's higher than that and just think that that's very echoing what uh, Senator Warner said in that interview three years ago. It's not the 1980s anymore. And it, 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 it's remarkable that Senator Warner is one of a handful of people that see that. Um, and like I said, even in the House, I mean, Henry Cuellar, he twice voted against the PRO Act. He mm-hmm. is the only Democrat is still serving in the House that voted for against the PRO Act twice. Because he knows how important independent work is, and also, and also because that impacts right to work states, and Texas is a right to work state. That's another reason why he likely voted. But he did try to work a a legislation, a bill in the last Congress with at least Stefanik concerning mm-hmm. worker classification and possibly a self or a solopreneur um, legislation. So he's also he's not just voting against the Pro Act; he's also trying to put some solutions on the table. So I don't so, remember the three senators, but don't forget you know, Congressman Cuellar. Yes. Um, so we just uh, in the in the last couple of minutes, tell me, and we won't even get into them, just so I have an idea for next time. Um, what are the top three? And it doesn't even just have to be the labor cause right now. What are the top three concerns in your mind right now? Well, for me, it's, it's and here, it's, and I want to I want to make it clear here on the podcast. This is January twenty twenty four. Thank so. you. My well, my priorities have not changed. Number one is mental health. Number two is independent contractors and workers' freedom, and I would say number three is just the number three, and this probably should be number one overall. Is that just that living the example that we are taught? 
to help others to find their opportunities to help themselves. I like that. That's well said. Um, we'll end with that then. So, <laughs> John, thank you for joining me. And uh, everybody, uh, join us back here on the next week's Rideshare Rodeo podcast. Have a great She was just a baby. Hey, no way.